Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. There used to be a day where if you wanted to watch a sporting event or a television show or a movie, you had to like stop everything and either go to the game or to the event or you had to watch it live on television. Young people, I know this is hard to imagine, but if you had to work late or you didn't get there in time or if the red light was too long, like you would miss the first part of the show. Kids today, older people, they don't know what it's like to miss something, right? How to go to the bathroom, get a snack and everything in, in a minute and a half before the commercial was over. Now you can just hit the pause button. And uh, with the advent, uh, how many of you remember TiVo? I think they were the first ones. You know, you know, you get the little thumbs up if you wanted to record that. There, Technology has allowed us to, to capture things and we can watch them later. I'm a big Houston Astros fan, for those of you that don't know. And uh, that's okay, you don't have to applause. I don't, I don't need that affirmation to know that they're the best team in baseball. Um, but Pastor Sean and I have this thing. I, you don't tell me what the score is or what the thing was until you know that I've seen it. That's a big deal. Because I got it recorded if I miss it, and I'm going to go check it out. Pastor Sean and I have this thing. Before we say anything, we're like, hey, have you watched? Did you see? Because we don't want to spoil it for, for anybody. You with me? Yeah. There's something about hearing or seeing something before you want to hear it. We've actually got this digital technology has brought a new vocabulary word into our vernacular, and it's called the spoiler alert. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're reading something, and then all of a sudden, spoiler alert. Well, what, is, what does that spoiler alert mean? It means if you keep going, you're about to see something that may impact what you're about to watch. It may reveal that to you. Y'all, y'all follow me so far? Could you imagine watching the 1999 Bruce Willis film, The Sixth Sense, and finding out that the reason why that young boy can see, uh, who says he can see dead people can also see Bruce Willis is because Bruce Willis is dead himself. Can you, can you imagine ruining that for somebody and just, y'all didn't know that? <laughs> that, would, that would have changed the way you watched that movie. Oh, if, if I hadn't, hmm. could you imagine how different it would have been to watch Star Wars Episode Five, The Empire Strikes Back, knowing that Darth Vader was in fact Luke Skywalker's father? I mean, don't act like y'all weren't going to watch it anyway. That's like 42 years old, right? It, you, but what, here's what it'll do: it'll change the way you see it. And, 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 you know, finding out the ending before you've watched it play out, it's the worst, right? It's a, that spoiler alert. Now, I've, I've got a definition for us today on spoiler alerts. And I want you to pay attention. You know I'm going somewhere with this. Here's what a spoiler alert is. If you keep reading, you're going to find out something about the end that will drastically change the way you see what you're watching. That's what a spoiler alert is. If you, if you keep reading... You're going to learn something that's going to drastically change the way you see the very thing that you're watching unfold before you today. And this, this has been what we see has been a focus of our Kingdom Culture series. It's really a biblical worldview 
series, worldview, how you see the world around you. And your, your worldview is like a set of colored glasses. It shades the way you see everything. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says this, it says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Man, so good. Christianity, he's saying, my worldview is a lens by which I see everything else. So, so far, we've taken three different scenes from scripture. We started in creation. Remember, everything was in chaos as the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. Then God spoke, creation obeyed, and chaos became order. And we learned that if we don't live according to the way that God speaks, our lives will fall from order to chaos. And if if we see chaos in our lives, it might be because we're not seeing things the way that God sees them. Y'all remember week one? Week two, we talked about the fall, how Adam, the first man, disobeyed. He didn't obey and sin entered the world through him. And we saw a pattern in the way that Eve sinned as well that shapes the way we still sin today. Remember we talked about that. First it was opportunity, then desire, and from desire to action, action to guilt, guilt to shame. But then God came looking. So excited last week when Dr. Scott came and shared redemption, how through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and infected all of mankind, but yet again through one man, Jesus, Sin was defeated and mankind was redeemed or was bought back from that. And that brings us to week four, the conclusion of our Kingdom Culture series. And we're going to talk about the new creation. We're going to look back a little bit at the beginning, but we're going to turn to the very end of the book, the last two pages of this book. And I got a spoiler alert for you, just so you know, Satan is defeated Jesus and those who believe in him reign victorious. And I need you to understand that because everything broken in this world will be restored, but it won't just be fixed. It will be newly created. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about new creation. Are y'all ready? Show me the seatbelt. Buckle in. Let's go. Here we go. We, left, we last left off with Adam and Eve. They have sinned. God has come looking, and they were naked and ashamed in the garden. Here's where Genesis chapter 3 takes us. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. That's important. We'll remember that in a second. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, an angelic being, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Question, what would have happened, do you think, had Adam, who had now sinned, now fallen and in a sinful condition, actually taken and eaten from that tree of life? Any ideas? Yeah. He would have lived forever in that sinful condition. Remember how we discussed earlier that that God's correction is actually protection and not rejection, as we see? We see it play out here in the story that even God, in his graciousness, is able to protect Adam and Eve from a condition that they found themselves in. And notice, too, this lining of hope that we see in verse 21, where it tells us that God made skins, garments of skins, 
and clothed them. Later on in Hebrews, we'll read that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Where, by tell, do you think those animal skins came from that clothed them when they found themselves naked and ashamed? Some of the animals that were there. God shed the blood of those animals and with those skins clothed them as part of the process. And that's where we get from the Old Testament. That's where we get animal sacrifices that had to be repeated over and over and over and over again. But look at this. With Jesus, it's different. Romans 3.25 says this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Why do you need Jesus? Because the sin in your life will be paid for. I'm going to say that again. Why do you need Jesus? Because the sin in your life will be paid for and will be paid for by blood. Fortunately for those who trust and believe in Jesus, his blood pays for the sin and atones for our life so that our blood doesn't have to. Are y'all following with me so, so far? There was a A good way of of saying this, atonement, you can think of it this way. What does atonement mean? It means at one meant. In other words, we are now at one with God. There's no more separation between God and man because of the blood of Jesus. How many of you are thankful for the blood of Jesus? And if you're new to Christianity, you may hear some things like that. Oh, the blood. I don't want to talk about the blood. And, And you may hear somebody say, well, the blood cleanses us. From our sin, you may be thinking, I, I spent a good bit of time doing laundry, Pastor Don. Like, like blood's a stain. Like, how, I hear people say it washes us white as snow. What, what is that? There was an old hymn that many of you may know, and it goes like this. It says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Say it if you know it. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you hear people talking about the blood of Jesus, they're not just talking about the physical blood that was shed. They're talking about what that blood shed accomplished when it set them free and cleansed them, and we can now walk before God, those of us that trust and believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as if we had never sinned. That atonement is an at-one-ment. We're now at one with Christ. Y'all following me so far? You know that? Look at it this way. John Stott said it. He said, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, but the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. So good. And because of this substitution, we get to read 2 Corinthians five seventeen that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, say that word, new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I, you don't miss this because it's important for you to realize in the context of what we're talking about here. Even though we are redeemed and set free and a new creation, The rest of creation is fallen, broken, and filled with sin and destruction. You need to understand that. We're set free. Creation is not. There there shouldn't be any sickness. There shouldn't be death. There shouldn't be car accidents, and there shouldn't be calamity, and there shouldn't be setbacks and devastation, but there is because creation is fallen as a result of what sin did and entered the world. 
Have you ever heard somebody say, man, that's not right. It shouldn't be that way. That's not how, how it's supposed to go. That's not fair. Well, that's because inside of us is a desire for right. Because we know things are not right in this world. It's as if there's this insatiable longing inside of us for more than this world can offer. It's, it's incongruent. It doesn't, it doesn't match up. Why is that? Because as a Christian, you're a new creation, but you live in a world that is not. You live in a world that is not. And that's why inside of us, we instinctively look forward to a world where everything is new again. How many of you would like to see a world like that? Whether you would or not, don't worry, it's coming. Romans 8, 18 says it this way. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him. He's talking about Adam, who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Look at this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. It's saying we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait Eagerly, I love that. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Look at that picture the scripture gives us. Now, listen, I know a thing or two about a woman being in labor. I know a thing or five about a woman being, let's be honest, I don't know nothing but how not to pass out in the middle of all of that as Kayla nods her head. Absolutely. Why on earth? Would someone endure all of that pain if it weren't for something on the other side of that that's coming? That's what this is talking about. That's, that's what it's talking about. And, and there's no point and no end to the suffering unless you know the end of the book. You see that? He's just telling us, listen, we know what's coming, and because we know what's coming, what we're enduring will make sense to us. We can endure the hardship of now in this fallen world because we know there's a new creation that's coming. Here's a kingdom culture moment for you. I'll say it this way. If you know the way it ends, the way it is will make sense. If you know the way it ends, the way it is makes sense. I'm going to remind you of our definition of the spoiler alert. I'll put it back up there for you. If you keep reading, you're going to find out something about the end that will drastically change the way you see what you're watching. And it's the what's coming that makes the what's happening worth enduring. If I know what's coming, then what's happening is different. Many of you have been a part of a funeral or lost a loved one and, and you've been with somebody who in the middle of some tragedy like death and you wonder, how do you have so much peace? How do you have so much life? How, how are you okay with what's going on? Can I tell you? Spoiler alert, they know what's happening. They know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and the most peaceful time you'll have in life is to be with somebody who is safe and secure in their relationship with the Lord when they're on their deathbed. 
But the most chaotic time you'll have in your life is to be on the deathbed of somebody who is not safe and secure, who doesn't know the end, who doesn't know that one day all things will be made right. And these first two chapters of scripture tell us about creation and the heavens and the earth and the last two chapters of scripture tell us about the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Can you say that with me? New heaven, new earth. Here's what John tells us about the new creation that all of creation is longing for. And if you haven't read it, here's my spoiler alert for you. That day, number one, there will be no more serpent. No more serpent. Revelation 20 verse 10 says this, And the devil, who earlier is called that ancient serpent, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I had somebody walk up to me earlier today and said, I don't know why the devil's tormenting me the way that he is. Listen, he's going to be tormented himself for all of eternity as a result of this. At, at creation, he slithers in. At new creation, he's thrown out. He's thrown out. There's not going to be any more serpent in the middle of this. And guess what, Satan? At the cross, you were disarmed, but at the end, you will be defeated and cast in to hell. I've heard Pastor Jacob say this before. Anytime the devil tries to remind you of your past, why don't you go ahead and remind him of his future and tell what's going on in the middle of this. If you don't have the spoiler alert, you can't do that. You think that what you're walking through and what you're suffering and what you're enduring is the only thing that there is to endure. But for those of us that know how it ends, the way it is makes sense and it's worth enduring, is it not? Kingdom culture, I need you to understand that. Number two, this new creation, this new heaven, this new earth will have no more sea. You say, no more sea, what, is that? what does that mean? Revelation 21.1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. If you were here for week one of our series, you remember we talked about the sea represented chaos, confusion. Here's what this is telling us. In that new heaven, in that new earth, there will be no more chaos, no more destruction, no more war, and no more bloodshed. There will be no more See, are y'all excited and looking forward to no more see? Here's the third one. Scripture tells us about this new creation, this new heaven, this new earth. There'll be no more separation. No more separation. Revelation 21, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. In creation, we saw a picture of God walking with Adam and Eve before they were exiled. In new creation, we're going to see that picture again, God dwelling with us, walking with us the way he did with them then. Number four, no more sadness. No more sadness. Revelation 21. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Can I get an amen? For the former things have passed away. To paraphrase J.R. Tolkien, everything that is sad will come untrue. Think about that for just a second. Everything that is sad will become untrue. Number five. 
Continuing our list of no mores, there will be no more darkness. Revelation 21, 22, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its life as its lamp is the Lamb. Can you imagine a place where every light that you need comes from the goodness of God himself sitting on the throne? We don't have to worry about Clico jacking the rates up because we won't have an electric bill. Now that got you fired up. I see where we are today. Okay, okay, I see. Here's the next one, number six. No more death. No more death. Can you imagine just for a second a place where there's no more death? There were two trees in the Garden of Eden back then. We read of them. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other was the tree of life. Disobedience to God by eating of the knowledge of the good, tree of good and evil, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, brought death to us. Look what John writes in Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. It's back. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I love this paraphrase from Robert Muntz. He says this, in the new creation, the results are reversed. Eating of one tree brought about the curse. Eating of this tree now brings about eternal life. I'm looking forward to that day to eat from that tree and undo all that was done in this new creation. Y'all with me so far? Yeah. Kaysen, help me out for just a minute. So that's it, Pastor Don. That's, that's, that's all we got. That's, that's it. We just sit back and And we wait and we try to figure out, we hang out and we wait for this new creation to come, heavens and the new earth. And it sounds sounds great, Pastor Don, but but now what? What do I do now that I know the end of all of this? I need you to understand. I need you to find this with me. Here's the kingdom culture moment, the way God sees things. And I need you to get this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 29 through 31. It says this, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Look at this. For the present form of this world is passing away. Passing away. What's he saying? He said a lot of things in there. What, here's what he's saying. He's not diminishing these things, but he is saying that they're not important. He's, he's saying that they're not, not that they're not important. He's just saying they're not ultimate. All of those things, being married and having a wife and working and, and all of those things, those are important, but they're passing away. They're not ultimate. Can you say that word with me? ultimate this world and all that it has to offer can be awesome but I'm just telling you it's passing away getting married is one of the greatest things I've ever done marriage is awesome it's just not ultimate it's not ultimate love your wife do it but love God more 
You'll be able to love her more if you love him more. He's saying, this world, the things that you're striving for, you're fighting for, they're passing away. They're not ultimate. Get a job. Work hard. Buy things. It's awesome. But you got to understand, you got to see this the way God sees it. Every dollar you spend here is going to stay here. It's not ultimate. It's, it's passing away. You better make sure that you're giving now with the end in mind. Y'all see that? It's kingdom culture. You got you to see it that way. And if, if nobody tells you the spoiler alert, you may go through this whole life thinking that the things we suffer are just that. You may go through this whole life thinking that the goal in life is to accumulate all the things. But I need to be the one to tell you, I love you enough to tell you, here's your spoiler alert. Everything here is passing away. There is a new heaven and a new earth that's coming. And if you want to see it, you need to see it the way God sees it. Let me invite you to bow your heads with me. Just listen to my voice. The very best of this world is still just the best that this world has to offer. And it's passing. It won't fill you. It won't satisfy you. You were made for something more. And I can tell by the way you're responding in this moment that you know it deep inside. You were made for something more. You have to see that. That's what the spoiler alert is. If you keep reading this book, you're going to find out something about the end that will drastically change the way you see what you're watching. And as you're there alone with yourself, with the Holy Spirit, with your thoughts, not looking around, let me share with you this very sobering passage of Scripture. This is from John chapter 12, verse 44 through 48. Just listen. And Jesus cried out and he said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Let me paraphrase that for you. We will be accountable for our obedience to what God has spoken through his word. His word will judge us. Every sinner will be held accountable for the truth he or she has heard in this life How important do you think then it is that the worldview you have lines up with his worldview? Can I tell you how important it is? Your eternity depends on it. And my hope is that you're looking through the right lenses and seeing your life the way that God sees it. Let's let our worldview today line up with God's word view. And watch how it changes the way you look at your life, how it changes the way you look at others, how it changes the way you look at the world around you. Because until his worldview becomes your worldview, your life is not going to match up. You say, well, Pastor Don, I I want my worldview to match up. I want to see it the way that he sees it. How would I know? What would that look like? Can I tell you the Holy Spirit will come in a moment just like this and he'll awaken something that was long dead inside of you. 
It may have started earlier today when you were in worship and you were overwhelmed by the presence of God and you started to see how big he was and how little you actually are. You may have started to feel a hope and a promise that you have had cast aside for so long in the middle of this. You say, what is that? What's that thing that's being born again inside of me? Can I tell you it's your spirit? The spirit that died that day that Adam took of that tree, gave you that nature, and every single one of us since then have fallen short and our sin has separated us from a loving and a holy God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I don't want to miss it. I want to see that day when the new heavens and the new earth comes. Jesus said it this way. He said, you can't even enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. Unless you're born again. That's not my word. That's Jesus's word. It was a religious leader talking to him at the moment. And he said, I don't understand what born again means. And he said it this way. There's a birth that comes of the flesh when when water comes, the breaking of water. And then there's a birth that comes from the spirit where he initiates something inside of you. And you'll know and I'll know that you're seeing it the way God sees it when you can admit that your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. You'll be able to see it. And you'll know that God's spirit has done a work inside of you if you can believe that Jesus came and lived a sinless life just for you. Paid that debt with his blood that you couldn't pay that we spoke about earlier. And it'll change the way you see who's in charge of your life. You'll be able to confess that God is in control. And you'll be ready to do things his way. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I want to pray and be born again. I want to acknowledge what I see, what I believe, and I'm ready to confess him as Lord and Savior. And if you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I want to know who I'm praying with today. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I want you to be included in that. It's not the prayer that makes you born again. It's the spirit working inside of you. I just want to lead you and acknowledge what God is doing in your heart. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Don, please include me. Pray with me today to be born again. I want to invite you to raise your hand right from where you're sitting. Go ahead right now. Let me see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see both your hands. Thank you. I see your hand. Keep them up so I can see. Nobody looking around. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. You may put your hands down if you've raised them. One more time before I pray. I don't want anybody to be left behind. I want you to be included. I want you to acknowledge what God is doing. We'll help you with every next step. Don't worry about the next step. Worry about this step. Acknowledging what God has done in your life. Pastor Don, please pray with me when you pray with the others. One more time. If you raised your hand before, don't raise it again. One more time. Raise it now so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. I see your hand. You may put your hands down. Those of you, thank you, I see your hand. Those of you that raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me as I lead you and everybody else is gonna pray with you indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, 
I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare, God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can we celebrate with those that raise their hand to be born again?